Great, well, we're going to turn to the Bible now and um, think together about why the resurrection of Jesus matters so much to us um, as Christians. Next Sunday is Easter Sunday. We're going to celebrate the fact that Jesus, who was dead, is now alive forevermore. But why does it matter? We're taking these three Sundays in the run-up to it to think about the implications of the resurrection. Last Sunday, we were thinking how the resurrection shows us the true identity of Jesus, that he is the son of God in power. So he came and he lived in weakness on this earth and he died on a cross and he didn't really look like the son of God, but at his resurrection, suddenly it was seen and it was declared to all the world that he is the son of God in power. And last week we saw that he will be the one who's exalted and has all authority forever. But this Sunday we're going to think about Uh, the resurrection and our justification and how those two things go together resurrection justification if you don't know what those words mean don't worry too much we're going to explain them as we go through but we're going to read from Romans chapter 4 so I invite you to turn there with me and have a look at that and let's learn together um, from the book of Romans so Romans chapter 4 starting at verse 18 against all hope Abraham in hope believed and so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead, since he was about a hundred years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. This is why it was credited to him as righteousness. The words, it was credited to him, were written not for him alone, but also for us, to whom God will credit righteousness. For us who believe in him who raised Jesus our Lord from the dead, he was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Why don't we pray and let's ask for God's help. Father, although we can't physically be together in the same place this afternoon, thank you that we can have your word open in front of us. And thank you that your same Holy Spirit who inspired this word will now be our teacher. Lord, please teach us, we pray. Please don't let these just stay words on a page. Would you write them on our hearts? Would they be deeply impressed upon us that we might see more of Jesus and might love him and worship him and trust him? And we ask it in his name. Amen. Well, let me start with a basic definition of what it means to be a Christian. A Christian is a justified person. Now, that might not be the first word that comes into your head when you think of a Christian is dot, dot, dot. But according to the Bible, that is foundational. To be justified is the basic Christian identity. It's who we are. And so if you're watching this this afternoon and you are a Christian, you need to know you are justified. And if you're watching this and you're not yet a Christian, then I want to show you why being justified is the most life-changing, liberating, and glorious experience that any human could ever have. So let me ask you this question. As you sit there this afternoon, what do you think God thinks of your life? What is his verdict on your life? Do you think he approves of you? Do you think he's disappointed in you? 
think he's displeased? Or do you think he's just disinterested and not really that bothered? Well, when we dig into this idea of being justified, what we discover is that justified means God looks at our lives and he says, I approve of you. He looks at our lives and he says, I am pleased. Your life is right. In fact, it, it goes slightly further than that. Justification is a legal declaration that God makes where God says, you are perfect, righteous, well-pleasing to me. Now, now, that's a big thing to say. If I've just described Christians as justified people, and justification means that God is absolutely pleased with us, has declared us to be innocent and perfect, that's a huge thing to say. We're going to need to do some work to really understand how that can possibly be the case. But the reason this matters is because this is going to help us to deal with five of the biggest things that spoil our lives as Christians. And even if you're not a Christian, I still think these things spoil our lives. Let me tell you what the five things are. We're going to come back to these at the end, but I'll flag them up now. The five things are skeletons, ladders, yo-yos, eggshells, and toddlers. Those five things have the tendency to spoil our lives as Christians. Now, wh what do I mean? Well, skeletons, I mean those things in the past, the things that we've done wrong, that we know are wrong, that we feel deeply ashamed of, and they sort of haunt us. And we try to hide them away and make sure that no one knows about them, and we're terrified of the idea that someday they may come to light. Skeletons in the past, and they make us feel guilty, and they make us feel unworthy. Justification is going to help us deal with those skeletons. Or ladders. That is the desperate need that many of us have to, to want to climb, to want to impress, to want to get approval for ourselves, to want to demonstrate that we are worthy, to want to show how impressive you are, to want to succeed, to want to achieve. And whether we're trying to impress God by our religious acts or whether we're trying to impress other people, many of us find our lives enslaved by ladders that we desperately need to climb. And no matter how hard we climb, there's always more. Justification is going to set us free from those ladders. Or yo-yos. That is the experience that many people have of life, that we go up and down. One day we feel fantastic, the next day we feel terrible, and it depends on what we, what's going on in our lives and how well we think we're doing and things that went wrong or things that went right. And our relationship with God or just our experience of life is like a yo-yo up and down. Justification is going to help us deal with yo-yos or eggshells. That is when we feel so fragile and like the tiniest little thing goes wrong and we feel crushed. And we immediately begin to think, God doesn't love me. We think everything's going wrong. Why is God doing this to me? Justification is going to help us deal with the eggshells and the toddler tantrums that we often have those toddler tantrums where in our heart we shake our little fists in God's face and say, how dare you do that to me? How dare you let that happen to me? Justification is going to help us deal with that. Skeletons, ladders, yo-yos, eggshells and toddlers. 
This is going to be of massive practical help to us if we can understand what justification really means. And if we can be sure that we are justified. That God looks at us and says, you are right. But we're going to need to do some work and have a look at it together. And we read um, the little bit of Romans because at the end of Romans chapter 4, you get this interesting verse where Paul, the man who wrote Romans, says, he, that's Jesus, was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. Death and resurrection. Jesus' death and resurrection are the key to our justification. Now, I think we often tend to focus on the death of Jesus, and we often think, well, it's Jesus died, and that was the important thing, and then he rose again. But actually, Paul says, no, the resurrection of Jesus is key to our justification. We need to understand why. So let's start with Jesus, and then we'll understand um, how it relates to us. So we're going to start with Jesus, and we're going to think about the justification of Jesus which seems like a a, a slightly weird way to put it. But what I mean is we're going to talk about God's verdict on Jesus. I'd love you to keep a finger um, in Romans chapter 4 and come back to Mark um, and chapter 1. In Mark chapter 1, we read the account at the start of Jesus' ministry where Jesus is baptized. Now, this is interesting because baptism is a symbol of death and resurrection. So when you're baptized, you go under the water, into death, and then resurrection. Now, Jesus, at the start of his ministry, was baptized. And he was baptized to show what he'd come to do. He'd come to into the world to die and rise again. And what happens at his baptism is he goes under the water and then he rises again and then God the Father gives his verdict. Listen to what he says. This is Mark chapter eleven, uh, 1 verse 11. And a voice came from heaven, you are my son whom I love, with you I am well pleased. Do you hear it? God speaks his words of vindication, his words of approval, his declaration of the rightness of Jesus. That is the justification of Jesus. Jesus is justified. He's absolutely right, and he is declared to be right by his Father. And Jesus lived this beautiful life, this life of absolute rightness. Jesus never did anything wrong. He is perfect in every single way. Have you ever stopped to contemplate what a staggeringly beautiful life Jesus lived? In all the things he said to everybody that he met, he was right, always right. Always loving, always kind, always beautiful, always perfect. Not a hint of anything wrong. No sin to spoil it. No impurity to taint it. Only right all the time. Jesus lived the justified life. 
He was always shown to be right. He lived under his father's smile, his father's approval. It's a beautiful life. Now, as you go on through the life of Jesus and as you read of his encounters with people and as you watch him and as you, you marvel at the beauty of his life, you then discover that moment when Jesus dies. Now, it really should shock us that Jesus died. And the reason it should shock us is because in the Bible, death is what is the payment or the, the wages or the consequence of sin. So sinners die. That's how it works. So when you do something wrong, God's verdict of wrong brings the punishment of death. And so here is Jesus, who's always lived a perfect life, a right life. But then he dies. He's nailed to a cross in agony and shame, and he dies. And suddenly the verdict of God is called into question on him. Well, is he really righteous then? Is he really the justified one? Because he's died. And just like at his baptism, his death is followed by his resurrection. And the resurrection of Jesus is critical because it is the moment at which God the Father declares his son to be right. The resurrection is the justification of Jesus. Jesus is shown to be the righteous one. For a moment, there was a question mark over it. For a moment, it was, oh, perhaps he's just another sinner. Another sinner who's ended up dead like all the rest of them. But the resurrection says, no, he is the justified one. That's God's verdict on Jesus. Jesus lived the justified life, a life of perfect righteousness. Now, of course, you may say, well, great, we'll bully for him. So what? How does that help us? Well, it helps us because he did it all for us. Listen to it in Romans chapter 4 again. He was delivered over to death for our sins and was raised to life for our justification. In other words, what we now need to see is here is Jesus who lived the perfect life, the justified life. And he lived it for us. His death was for us and his justification was for us. So let's turn now from God's verdict on Jesus, which was justified, and now let's think about God's verdict on our lives. As God looks at us, what does he see? Well, the first thing we need to know is that when God looks at our lives, he does not see righteousness. He does not see the perfect life. He does not see the justified life. Instead, God's verdict on our lives is very different. If you're in the book of Romans, um, go back to chapter 3, verse 10. Here is God's verdict. Romans chapter 3, verse 10. There is no one righteous, not even one. 
No one. There is no one righteous. So different to the verdict of God the Father on his son at the baptism, where God said, I am well pleased with you. As God looks at all of the rest of humanity, his verdict is not righteous. His verdict is guilty. We don't have righteousness. There's a whole heap of stuff that I, I could write on my CV. You know when you write your CV? It's always slightly funny, isn't it? You kind of scrabble around to find any little achievement you've ever done uh, in order to list it to make yourself look good. You know, I, I, at the age of eight, I did my cycling proficiency and I can swim a width of the swimming pool with armbands. Uh, you know, there's all these things that, um, that we love to list as our achievements. But there is no one who can write on their CV, I am perfect. No one. No one can say, I am righteous. We don't have it. And that is a big problem. Because God's verdict on us, therefore, is that we are guilty. And we might shrug our shoulders and say, well, who cares? So what? But it matters more than anything. For the God of the universe... For your creator to look at you and say, you are not righteous. You are guilty. For God to look on your life and disapprove. For God to look on your life and frown is the most serious thing. And that is what the first bit of Romans is warning us of. It is telling us that God is rightly angry he is angry at the way we've lived our lives. He is angry because we are not righteous. We have fallen short. We've exchanged God for other things. We've lived for ourselves. We're not righteous. That's God's verdict on us. But then you get to Romans chapter 3 and verse 21. Just look at this. Look at this. Because that isn't his final verdict. Because God has done something. Verse 21, but now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. So although God's verdict on our lives is guilty, not righteous, God has done something so that he can give us righteousness. He can give us justification. He can justify us. He can make us right. He can take those who are not right and make us right. He gives it to us. And it happens all through Jesus. It happens as we understand what Jesus did when he died and rose again. And when we understand and we see what was happening there, we discover the key to how we can be justified. Paul talks about Jesus' death as being for us as a sacrifice. When Jesus died on the cross, the death that my sin deserves was paid by him. He took 
my sin upon himself. The anger that should fall on me fell on him. Jesus is the sacrifice who died to pay for all I've done wrong. So he was delivered over to death for my sins, Romans chapter 4, verse 25. He was delivered over to death for your sins. That's why he died. He wasn't dying for his own sins because he didn't have any. All of your sins were placed on him and he died. And he paid for it in full, all of the anger, all of the payment, all of the penalty, dealt with completely, every sin paid for on the nail, absolutely. He died. But then he rose. He rose to be justified. And God's declaration on his life was, you are my son with whom I'm well pleased. And if God's verdict on Jesus is well pleased, now we share that verdict because Jesus died our death. We now live his life. We now take his resurrection as our resurrection. We are now justified just as he was raised from the dead, so we are too. And God's verdict on Jesus is now his verdict on us because we are united with Jesus and it is given to us. That's why all the way through that little bit we were reading, we kept having that word credited, credited, credited. God credits righteousness to us. He gives it to us. It's not something we earn. It's not something we do. It's not something we can impress him with. It is as we put our trust in Jesus, as we believe in him, we're given righteousness. It's that simple. So to be a Christian is to be a justified person. Not because of anything that I have done, but because of all that he has done for me. And the reason this matters is because Jesus has done it completely. It is completely done. There is nothing more. Because he died and then rose again, there is nothing more to be done. If Jesus were still dead, we would not be justified. Because although he had died, there would be no approval from his father. And we would still be lost. Let, let me explain like this. So um, back in the Old Testament, there was one very special day in the year when sin was dealt with. It's called the Day of Atonement. And on the Day of Atonement, the high priest would take a sacrifice into the most holy place and would offer a sacrifice for the sin of the people. And he would offer his sacrifice in the most holy place. No one else could go in there, and he could only go in once a year. It was so holy. It was a dangerous place to be. So all the people standing around the outside of the temple, watching, thinking, oh man, are we okay? We need our sin dealt with so that we can be justified and the priest goes into the most holy place and he offers the sacrifice but the moment at which you know that justification has been achieved is when the priest comes out when he leaves the most holy place and walks out of that place well then you know that his sacrifice has been accepted and you know that the people are justified 
Now, if the priest never came out, if the priest was struck down and died in the most holy place, then the people were in trouble. And so it is with Jesus. Jesus came into this world to offer a sacrifice for sin. He died on a cross taking our sin and bearing the wrath of God. And how do we know that that sacrifice works? How do we know that we're truly justified? Because he rose again. Because God the Father approved of him. Because God the Father's verdict on Jesus was, I am pleased with you. And now as we place our trust in him, that is credited to us and we're given righteousness. So as we believe, we are made righteous. Now, this is stuff that many of us will know, but do you really let it sink in to you to know what that really means? To know that God's verdict on you is that you're righteous. He's pleased with you. So those skeletons in the cupboard, those skeletons that we're so terrified of and so ashamed of, Jesus paid for those. The price has been paid. They're gone. You're not guilty anymore. You have nothing to be ashamed of anymore. You have nothing to be afraid of. They've been paid for in full. And so when you begin to feel fear, you say, no, Jesus has been risen from the dead. And because Jesus has been raised, I am justified. And that past sin has no hold on me anymore. The resurrection of Jesus deals with the skeletons. And when you're desperately trying to climb and you're trying to impress people and you feel depressed because no one noticed you or you feel proud because you're doing so well, you need to remind yourself, no, because Jesus has risen from the dead, I am justified. It's who I am. And no matter what I do, it makes no difference to my status. It is a completed work. He's done it all. There's nothing left for me to do. When he said it is finished, he meant it is finished and there's nothing more for me to do. No matter how high I climb, it makes no difference to what God thinks of me because he approves of me. You have to know today that you don't have to climb. You don't have to impress him. And when we bounce up and down like a yo-yo, justification, this reality of what God has declared over us, tells us that God's view of us does not change. God doesn't love you one minute and then not love you the next. He's not like a little schoolgirl sitting in a field with daisies going, he loves me, he loves me not, he loves me, he loves me not. That's not our experience of God. He loves you, he loves you, he loves you, he loves you. You're justified, you're forgiven. It's, it's all done. And therefore, as you bounce up and down on those hard days, on those days when you feel so depressed, you say, no, Jesus has risen from the dead and I am justified in God's sight. I am as loved as I could ever be. And on those days when you're sky high, you keep looking back to the resurrection. God's verdict on you is justified. And those of us who feel fragile, those moments when things go wrong and we say, perhaps God doesn't love me anymore. He doesn't love me. He doesn't love me. You look back to the resurrection. You say, he does. 
His verdict on me has not changed. It has been sealed by the resurrection of Jesus from the dead. Jesus died for my sin and he rose for my justification. I am safe and I am justified. And for those of us who throw a little tantrums and who love to tell God that how dare he treat us like this? Doesn't he know who we are? Justification tells us No, God loves you because he loves you. He gave his son. And you need to trust him, not shake your fist at him. You need to rely on him every day. And you need to know that he approves of you. Skeletons, ladders, yo-yos, eggshells, toddlers, all of them will be dealt with by the justification that Jesus has won for us. And yet we find it so hard because our automatic tendency is to keep going back to thinking, I've got to prove myself. I've got to show it. Actually, God has done it all. You're justified. You're loved. You're accepted. He's pleased with you. And if you're watching this and you're not yet a Christian, this is the most important thing. To know God's verdict on your life. Without Jesus, his verdict on your life is that you are guilty and he is angry and he will punish. But he sent his son so that that verdict could be changed. So that you could be given the verdict of Jesus. That verdict of approval and that he is pleased with you. Even this afternoon, why didn't you ask Jesus? To give you justification. To justify you. To make you right before God. So that you can know the security and peace and joy. Of being his child. Why don't we pray and thank God. Heavenly Father thank you so much for justification. Thank you that because Jesus has been risen from the dead. We are justified. Thank you that your verdict on your son is He is pleasing to you. And that that verdict that you spoke over Jesus is now the verdict you speak over us because of all that you've done. Lord, help us to trust him. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Well, we're going to sing together of the living hope that we have in Jesus. There was a great chasm between us. But Jesus came, spoke hope into our darkness. And we're going to sing of that morning that sealed the promise when the buried body of Jesus began to breathe and rose again. Our justification rests on his death and resurrection. Let's celebrate him. Hello.